You did the art, didn't you? I beg your pardon? You did the art, didn't you? I'm so terribly sorry, I didn't quite catch that. You did the art, do you not? Do you teach art? Oh, yes, no, yes, yes. Well, because we saw that art was not about the privileged. It wasn't about money. Or doing things a right way or a wrong way. Art was a gift. He did it for love. He only sold one painting in his entire life. And now they're going for thousands of pounds. Art doesn't really belong to anybody. Not to the artist. Or the owner. Or the people who look at it. Real art is something that's shared. Real art belongs to everyone. You are listening to Grim Up North, a podcast about the North, from the North. There is a section on the industrial north of England. These pictures show the cost of, you know, by being a great, powerful industrial nation, but at the same time, someone had to suffer, and that was the English countryside. Um, so when you look at some of these industrial landscapes, they're rather harsh and brutal because the industrial demands on landscape was wicked. I mean, you know, it turned beautiful countryside into, you know, mud pits and, and slurry pits and places like that. More and more, I observed the granite sets, the steep hills of industrial Yorkshire, the scurrying of mill girls in their shawls, huddled against the cold and wind, the lonely figure against a street gas lamp, the squatting miner outside his door, and the gleaming withinness of his sparkling, ugly house. Welcome to Grim Up North, a podcast about the North, from the North. I'm Matt Carr. And I'm Adrian Scott. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at some of the artists and photographers who've represented and defined the North in painting, sculpture and photography. Some of them come from the North and took the North with them on their artistic journeys. Others came to the North to look at its cities and landscapes. At the beginning of this episode, you heard two of them, Donald McCullin and a reading of Barbara Hepworth. But there are so many others. And we went on a road trip, didn't we, Adrian? We did. We went up to see the Pittman Painters mm-hmm. in uh, north of Newcastle, Northumberland. We, we included Washington. an extract from the play in the we did. introduction. That's right. The, the great play by Lee Hall, who mm-hmm. wrote Billy Elliot, yeah. um, called, the, called the Pittman Painters. Telling so, their story. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about that, about that, about the Pittman painters, and about that 
road trip that we made. But before we do that, let's get into this subject a little bit more. I mean, Adrian, you're a photographer and you mm -hmm. take pictures of everything, but you've also taken so many pictures of the North. What is it about the North that appeals to you visually speaking? Um, I think, especially Sheffield, it's the post-industrial landscape mm -hmm. um, and the people. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things that really capture my imagination. Right. So, so the sort of backdrop of post-industrial Sheffield, mm -hmm. and then you've got things like Meadow Hall that have been built up on on the the wasteland that that was left after the steel industry, but also just walking around the city centre and capturing people's faces. Um, the the north, if if someone lets you take their picture, they're so open, and they're so. Uh, willing to to let you into their lives more than other way. places, do you think? Well, I don't know because I've not done loads of photography down right. in London, but but I I just get that northern generosity. Right. You know, if you say to someone, "Can I take your picture?" and they say, "Yeah," then you you get this, and and you say something to them like, "Oh, you've got a great face," and and they sort of laugh and they're like, "Oh, you're kidding," you know. There's there's just a sort of humility and kindness about people up here that's lovely to mm -hmm. photograph okay i mean and who are the, who are some of the artists that you associate with the north who, who could, what names come to mind if i just throw that question out because there's so many aren't there yeah the artists, well artists and photographers let's say well yeah hockney mm -hmm. comes to mind straight away yeah um don mccullin photographer martin parr yeah um you introduced me to theodore major mm-hmm who I'd never heard of, and those paintings are incredible. And of course, then there's Lowry. Um, yeah, there's so many, aren't there? Yeah, and yeah. In this program, in this program, we do not have time to discuss them all, and we call it we call this episode "Seeing the North." That's right. So we're not just interested in. If, if you look at artists who've come from the North, you could include people like Leonora Carrington, the surrealist painter. Yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah. I didn't realize until recently she was from the North, or Andy no, Goldsworthy. I love um, Andy Goldsworthy. Who now lives in Scotland. But I love his work. I've so, seen his at the Yorkshire Sculpture Park. Uh -huh. um, what he does with with natural objects, mm -hmm. like making strings of leaves, or, or we saw this whole wall of clay that he put up on the wall in the, mm -hmm. in the gallery and waited for it to set. Right. And the way it had set was, was just incredible. So he, he has that phenomenal relationship with natural objects. Uh-huh. Um, or, or makes ice sculptures. Has he done? Has he done much work about the north or in the north? Or, or it's a lot, a lot of it is in the north. A lot of it is in the north. He he does a lot with dry stone walls, which is a very northern phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the thing is, if we were to devote an episode of this podcast to artists from the north, we could actually extend it to a six monthly <laughs> series because there are so many. You could do a whole series of podcasts there about are. artists in the north. So we we tried to narrow it down a little bit. Um, to give, given we call it seeing the north, yeah. we've tried to narrow it down to the different ways in yeah. which certain artists and photographers have seen the north and responded to specifically northern things. And help it, us see the north. And help us see it, yeah. exactly that. So I brought a few photographs, um, a few pictures in um, to give something of the flavour, yeah. the different kinds of flavours. Um, you can see them, actually. We've it's great put stuff for a podcast, this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is perfect for a podcast. Yeah, You just have to trust us. Yes. Anyway, um, so <laughs> we, feel free to have a look at them. We'll find a way to do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post them in a way that you can look at them after or look at them while you're listening. Even. So I've started, I guess our first 
my first thought when thinking about this episode was landscape. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, we've talked in the past about the kind of how the north became grim because that's how people yeah. imagined the landscape. It was a yeah. kind of hellish place. Yeah, yeah. The destroyed countryside yeah. ravaged by industrialization yeah. and yeah. so on. But that isn't how um, every painter is. That's not what every painter no, has no. seen. I mean, no. take a, Turner, for example. Yeah. He spent some time in the north, in the, the Peak District. Right. And um, in fact, there's a painting he's done of Sheffield, which yes. I, I can see the image of it every time I walk into Millsbrook yeah, yeah, Park. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's a fabulous painting. And it's always nice to look at it and then see how the city's changed by mm. comparing it with what mm. Turner saw in the late 18th century. Yeah. So he wasn't interested in um, kind of industrial landscapes, emerging industrial cities. I mean, he did do one of um, ships in the Tyne, I think. Right. But this is the kind of thing that he does yes. or did then. I mean, he, these are kind of like ways of almost monumentalizing the landscape it instantly becomes beautiful isn't it these ruins of Bolton Abbey yeah it's ethereal um it's sort of floating in the landscape the trees are floating yeah um very beautiful very evocative mm -hmm. very Turner it's it chance it transforms what it sees into Turner yeah doesn't it yes yeah. yeah and then William Heaton Cooper so in Grasmere, there's there's a gallery, a Heaton Cooper Gallery. Right, I hadn't heard of him actually till recently. Three three generations of artists who've painted the Lake District, mm -hmm. and and William Heaton Cooper is fantastic. Clear evening at Wastwater, mm -hmm. the highest lake in the Lake District, uh, the deepest lake. It's it's got Scaffold Pike in the background, and it, and it's it captures the lonely quality of it that does. place. This is the kind of landscape that um, Wordsworth was writing about exactly. as well, isn't it? And it's almost got a kind of slightly bleached quality, hasn't it? Mm. With mm. A kind of, it's watercolour. Kind of, yeah, it's yes. so clever, and it's it's he captures the sort of grandeur of the Lake District, um, and that's all part of the North. Well, that that whole idea of grandeur is yeah. a word you often hear associated with northern landscapes, yeah. and, and and it comes over in the poetry of Wordsworth, absolutely, doesn't it? Absolutely. But there's also um, this is an interesting David Late Hockney. Yeah. He comes back to Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. um, comes to stay with his mum, who's ill, in uh, Bridlington, I think it was. And um, he starts painting the the Yorkshire walls and the Yorkshire moors. And he, he, he the colour, it's like Van Gogh. It, it just is. jumps out at you. Um, I, I, in the documentary, these are all from his exhibition called A Bigger Picture. He, he's, he's, he's got his easel out and the interviewer says... So tell me what you see, and he says, "I can't tell you. I've got to paint it," and that's that's what we're on about. It, there's a certain quality of the north that you can't talk about. You, you have to look at it, and he has a particular. He says, "I I get intense pleasure through my eyes." That comes over in this painting, actually, because I mean the east east riding is doesn't feature as much as the more no. obviously dramatic no. northern landscapes does it and this is in in one of those interviews he also talks about the sky yes I mean, get bearing in mind that hockney is a painter you associate with sort of cool pop yeah, arty yeah. Pop urban landscapes of la and other places California. so there's a sense of real love in these paintings in yeah. a way and a kind of reaching into his own childhood memories of the exactly. landscape he talks about how just observing this landscape, he became like a farmer. Yeah. He could say, oh, I was going to rain at about 11 and, yeah. and so on and so forth. And that's what comes from painting outside. I bet, yeah. There's, there's a lovely scene in the, uh, he's painting away and a bloke stops in a pickup truck and he goes, 
Now then, when that's finished that, they can come and paint our kitchen. <laughs> and I don't think he had any idea that he was talking to David Hockney. No, but, but he, it's fantastic. Even if he had, he probably would have said the same he thing. He would have done, yeah, that's Yorkshire for you. So, wow, uh, and then we change. Yeah. We change here to Henry Moore's, one of Henry Moore's monumental um, sculptures. I think this is in the, in the sculpture park, isn't yes, it? Yes, I think it is. Henry Moore, interestingly, said that he liked having sheep wandering around his sculpture. <laughs> well, he said they kind there. of help you um, kind of see the, whole, the scale oh, of the sculpture more. They almost kind of act like a kind of frame for it. Interesting. And what I find interesting about his work in relation to the North is that the North seeped into his sculpture. Right. From the, his childhood memories of the yeah. landscape, yeah. through his memories of um, and that that sort of sinewy, um, block, rock-like, it looks natural. It does. Well, I mean, anybody who goes walking, I mean, we do a lot of walking in the Peak District. Yeah, we do. And the Peak District is full of rocks yeah. that look yeah. like sculptures. In yeah. fact, some of them have got names like um, I don't know, baked cakes. Yeah, and yeah, the toes, toe's, the, toes mouth. Exactly, it's because they look like things. Yeah, and um, you know. Moore and Barbara Hepworth were, yeah. were both very influenced by the shape of the landscape that they saw <laughs> this as This is children. a photograph of Brimham Rock. It is. Which sits unearthly, this huge rock sitting on a small rock. And what's it doing there? And how did it get there for so long? Yeah, it yeah. looks like someone put it there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's I mean, incredible. Um, Barbara Hepworth, she said her dad was a surveyor. Um, work for and travel all over the West Riding, and she used to go with him in the car. Right. And um, she talked about that in the extract that we included at the beginning uh, of yeah. this episode. But she also talks about in her memoirs about um, feeling like a bird soaring over wow. the landscape and seeing the combination of rocks, industrial towns, and lonely places. She said mm -hmm. she liked the idea of having monumental sculptures in the middle of nowhere, in lonely, desolate places, wow. the ones that she saw and that so much beguiled her when she was a Never realised how much the North affected her. No, Cause, no. Because uh, the best of her stuff is in Cornwall, uh -huh. at the Tate in Cornwall, in St Ives. But you can see that Northern influence on mm -hmm. it. Uh, fantastic. Now wow. How about this? This is this a photograph. classic photograph by Faye Godwin. So she did oh. She did photographs for, for Ted Hughes's work. She did. That is just such a bleak. It's uh, the, what's it? Where is it? The parsonage the in Howarth. Parsonage Tower, the old parsonage town. Parsonage in Howarth. Outside, yeah, near Top Withens. It's it's bright. Um, it's um, Wuthering Heights. Country. Totally, you almost you can almost hear Heathcliff, um, Heathcliff howling <laughs> on that moor, can't you? Can the I mean, sky. All, there's nothing there but just this ominous sky and this fantastic black and white. Yeah. I love black and white photography. Um, it's it's very powerful and the grass seems to be moving and swirling doesn't yeah, it it yeah. could almost be the cover of some kind of horrible crime Absolutely. novel set in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in the Yorkshire Moors yeah I'm damned <laughs> very very powerful but that isn't the only way of course in no, which the yeah. northern landscapes appeared we've got here one of the old shell posters from the 1930s I love these <laughs> I do as well they're interesting because the shell shell to get commissioned people all to these, drive they, commissioned, they knew people were driving and they wanted more people yeah, to drive yeah. so they got all these um very well-known artists, yeah. like in this case Graham Sutherland, doing this um, painting of Brimham, Brimham Rock. Rock. Absolutely charming, multicoloured, multi-layered painting of mm. Brimham Rock. And the idea was, come out and see these places. Yeah, yeah, get out because in your car. Not because they're industrial hell. No, but because they're they're, um, they're they're gorgeous. It's not grim. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the same kind of line, <laughs> Scarborough. This is a ridiculous poster of Scarborough. Anyone who goes to Scarborough, it, it's, it's, it looks like the Riviera. with. It, doesn't it? 
Doesn't it? They're in I mean, swimsuits and blazers. So this is Scarborough. It's quicker by rail. And this was a poster, one of a whole series <laughs> of similar posters um, on the same, um, all coming up with the same vibe. Yeah. In the 1930s, yeah. when much of the North was crushed by under unemployment and the Great Depression. Yet here you have these people looking like there's something out of a P.G. Woodhouse novel. <laughs> Kind of lolling around by Scarborough. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? It it's almost could be um, if you took away Scarborough and put in Nice, it would fit perfectly, it would, wouldn't it? In the very first, it'll be all right on the night outtakes uh, program. They had the mayor of Scarborough, and he's and he's going on about how great Scarborough is, and then and then he doesn't realise the camera's still on, and he says, "And if you believe that, you'll believe anything." Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And then, oh, closer to home, I, t I chose this image especially for, for you, Thank actually. Thank you, Matt. Um, so why did I choose it for you? Because you've written a, a great poem about John Lewis, yeah. which, of course, used to be Cole, Cole Brothers once upon a time. But this was in a different locale, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is the old Cole Brothers on the corner of Fargate and High Street. Cole's Corner was where everybody met. Mm -hmm. I'll meet you at Cole's Corner. Richard Hawley's written a song about it. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, this is lovely... This isn't grim northern it's city. It's George Cunningham. It's beautiful. It's a painting by George Cunningham, who was another another of many um, northern painters who come from a working class background. And um, Cunningham did a series of absolutely it's like a Christmas card. magical it's paintings of Sheffield. Just looking not the way... And these were mostly done in the 1960s, I think. This is and people shopping, it's snowing... It's Christmas. It's like the something for a Christmas shops. card or something, oh, it's isn't fantastic. it? It makes Sheffield look the most um, appealing. It's slightly Lowry-esque. place. I guess it is. Yes. But but also it's it, there's a painter painting now called Joe Scarborough who uh -huh. I can see is influenced by this, this this busyness. Yeah. Uh, and the trams going up and down. Oh, it's it's a lovely picture. But once again, this is Sheffield. There's none of your kind of hellish furnaces, no. the things that um, William Cobbett and others used to comment <laughs> on when they came here. The, no, no. The troglodyte people Sheffield. who George Orwell saw. None of that. This is prosperous Sheffield. It it's is. Lovely. It is. Lovely. And oh. then there's this. <laughs> this, this. So this is, who's this This by? is Kenneth Steele. Kenneth Steele, that's right. So this is the the sub electricity substation on Moore Street. It's so Soviet, isn't it? It is. It's And it's, still there and it's horrible it's but it can't be taken concrete. away it, and you can't take it away well you wouldn't you, want to take it away no would you? no it's sort of it's brutalism how it would is. you even describe that building i mean it's a it's a concrete it's monster of kind of the ground floor is these vertical lines That's no right. windows at all and it's then you've got these monstrous. blocks of horizontal lines going across he's made it look quite nice but in reality it doesn't look that nice no it doesn't they've, really they've tried illuminating it with different colors to try and make it look I a bit more palatable he's just because he's concentrated just on the lines i mean he's very good technical yeah yeah he's very good um draftsman isn't he it does it's seems interesting if yeah. not actually beautiful but it certainly doesn't seem as ugly as it actually, as it actually is, is. Yeah. yeah yeah that's part of the grimness oh look at this yeah there, so this is humphrey spender mm. and humphrey spender was a photographer who came up to bolton as part of the um Worktown project okay. by mass information right and um his job as a photographer as he saw it at the time was to record daily life right. in the north as and it that, was that was the aim of the project so he was like um he was like an anthropologist and yeah yeah, and and so the this is your classic nineteen thirties documentary yeah. photography on one level. You've got this woman scrubbing middle aged woman scrubbing a, the pavement a, outside her house. Yeah, in a Some, penny. Something that people used to do all the time. Incredible back then. Incredible. And yet she must have had good knees. I'll say. <laughs> I, I'll say. I mean, who would even do that now? No one. Um, mm. So this is what Spender was known for, but. 
he was never just a documentary no. photographer. This this is a photograph of the back back lane of, of Ashington. Two, uh, oh, is it Ashington? It's Ashington. Yeah. Right. So the big long terraces that we went to see. Uh, and it's the washing lines, mm -hmm. and it's it's a work of art. It is. All the the pillowcases are all billowing out, yeah. and uh, like and living the, creatures. Aren't and they? you've got the verticals of the props, and then the horizontals of the washing lines, and the vertical sort of parenthesis of the how back of the houses, and it's going off into infinity. Yeah. Which those roads we drove up them, we they saw go them for yeah. miles. We did pit houses, loads of them, all the same. Uh, but in this photograph, he's he's made something beautiful, he has. there, hasn't he? Yeah. He has. I mean, um, absolutely. There's no sort of documentary intent in this photograph, is it's there? This is it's photograph. the um, it's the composition, it's the yeah. images, the movement, yeah, yeah. and the and the strange shapes. So it's slightly, it's got a kind of slightly. It's surreal what you're looking influence. for as a photographer yeah. is shapes. Yeah. 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 Well, and that and brings that. us to Bill Brandt. Bill Brandt. His Cobble Street. Cobble Street in Halifax. Going and up to heaven. <laughs> we've mentioned. We've mentioned. Um, Bill Brandt before because he was one of the photographers who helped sort of define right. the grim up north yeah, look in yeah. the 1930s because he was very powerful documentary photographs of you know miners searching for coal and so on but Bill Brandt spent about three months as an apprentice to Man Ray the surrealist photographer uh, Man Ray in, in um, where you can see the influence Paris so he was not he did, in other words he wanted to make artistic photographs yeah. and he, and he saw himself as an artist not just as a, someone recording what was happening and so why, why is this painting so strangely haunting and powerful? Because it, I guess it's finding beauty in what should not be beautiful. So what we're looking at is a cobbled path. Mm -hmm. A ginnel, I guess. A ginnel going upwards quite precipitously yeah. with yeah. a little handrail and the top of the, 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 the wall that's, that's to the left has caught the light mm -hmm. uh, and the cobbles are catching the light and it gets lighter towards the top. I mean, it's a sort of vision of heaven somehow it is. to me. It is, it, right in the middle of an industrial city. And it, it couldn't be anywhere but the north with no, those cobbles. No, absolutely not. And the thing is, Bill Brand, when he came up here, he said he loved Halifax. He said it was an yeah. enchanting, extraordinary place. Someone's got And he said he'd never... Bearing in mind, he comes from, like, uh, Austrian background. Right. He hadn't even right. been in the country that long. Right. So for him... Coming to the north was not just about recording human carnage and the carnage of right. deindustrialization. It was recording things, landscapes, urban scapes yeah. that he thought were worthy of creating artistic photographs well, around. He did it. And he wasn't the only one, of course. I mean, oh, look Don at this McCullin. astonishing picture by Donald McCullin. It's it's so there's a, a man walking into a landscape, an industrial landscape with the verticals of chimneys and the horizontal of smoke pouring out of them, a broken down picket fence adding to the desolation and there's just this one man he's got his hands in his pockets his overcoat and his flat cap uh -huh. and and it's it's yeah desolation but also i mean furious industry yeah there's a lot of work going on in front of him and he's walking towards work i presume i guess as a photographer you must die to get an image oh, like that doesn't you unbelievable and 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 mccullin's work in the dark room is 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 amazing the way he develops his photographs um, and the ways the, the jet blackness of the man mm -hmm. against all yeah. this grayness yeah. um, oh, it's, it's, and all the smokes swirling almost horizontally yeah, in the yeah. sky. It's, the wind is the wind blowing, blowing, blowing in a particular it that way. direction. It, yes, so, I mean, amazing. The, when you look at this, this is from Donald McCullen's series of documentary pictures of the North that he did in the 1980s. Yeah. When you see these pictures, you think they almost could have been taken in the 1930s. I know. 
I know. know and that's the, that's the kind of horror of them in a way. The conditions have not changed. You still see these. You still saw these and, devastated and began his life then. as a war photographer. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he did these partly to deal with what he'd seen in war. And he he, he captures darkness. He uses this this dark palette of black and white photography. But he said when he's in the dark room, he deals with. You know, he spends hours in the dark room and he's dealing with all the things that he's seen. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, later on in life, he started to do a lot of landscape That's right. boat photography, didn't he? Not only in the north, but in other parts no, of the no, country. No. And Where he said it was partly, even though he said he, he was fascinated by the drama of darkness yeah he was also trying to escape from that's the right. darkness inside him and find the light and that's when you come to a photograph like this so this is scarborough breach mm -hmm. this is what scarborough really looks like mm -hmm. um it's four lads playing football mm -hmm. um and he's just captured that moment he uses a medium format camera mm -hmm. uh which are brilliant for this kind of photography right. and um he, he just said i saw them playing and i just kept clicking about five photographs in a row, mm -hmm. and he caught this where the kids kick the ball, and there's a lad who's the goalkeeper mm -hmm. who's stretching up towards the ball. It's magical, isn't it's, it? It's just incredible. And in the documentary called Looking for England, he goes back to Scarborough, and he meets, the, he's just standing where he took the photograph, and this bloke comes out of a, 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 um, a mechanic shop, and he says, I'm the boy in that photograph. Unbelievable. And he's in his 50s. And but he's just it's so dramatic mm -hmm. and it's the grand hotel in the background. Yeah. Uh, and the just just the gen the, and they that that feeling of you've grabbed a few moments. There's that, there's a there's a real kind of um sense of that kind of timelessness about this picture, yeah. isn't it? Even though it's Scarborough, as you say, it yeah. all, it captures something about being a child, yeah. being a boy. And you almost feel, given that McCullin's passed in Northern Ireland, Beirut, yeah, exactly, Vietnam, exactly. so many places where he'd seen this kind of thing, these yeah. kind of experience destroyed yeah. by yeah. war, that he was. this must have been quite healing he, to see he, this, yeah, feel exactly. it and take it. He's very proud of that photograph. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. And this is a photographer that you like a lot, isn't it? Martin this is Parr. Martin Parr's nonconformist Yeah, it's um, an old Methodist series. chapel. It's two old ladies in their lovely hats. I remember that when I used to go to Sunday school. Um, one of them's leaning down, she's praying. They're both praying, actually. Um, and it, it, it just captures a whole world. A disappear, disappearing, disappearing world, world really, We isn't talked it? about it in Angels of the North. Yeah. Um, and it, he's just got such an eye. I don't know how he got them to, to not notice he was there. That's a genius piece of photography because you want to be invisible as a photographer you want people to just get on with what they're doing so that you can capture it and he's done that there's a real sense of suffering in that picture there is i find of these two women they look in, cold <laughs> well they look cold for a start I mean, the woman at the back she's wearing that thick coat and the big mm. um the big hat but it's also and her whole body is braced it's against tense. the cold and you well you just feel people who pray as intensely as that a lot of stuff has happened to them yes absolutely to get to that state absolutely and they're carrying the world. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. 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 So to capture that as a photographer, well, brilliant. That's absolutely something else, brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. And this, of course, is here we are. Lowry. If, when people think of the North and painting, this is the painter they're this most is, likely yeah. to think yeah. of, aren't they? Matchstick men and clogs. Matchstick yeah. men and clogs. I mean, I do love Lowry's images, yeah, it's and I love this is a lovely 
painting. There's a sense when you look at a lot of Lowry's paintings, there's a sense that he's a long way away from. It feels distant. Yeah. It feels an observer. It doesn't feel like someone. I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not being unfair to him, but it it it's all observed with lovely clarity, and all the lines are very straight, and the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, you know, no one's really. They're a crowd, but they're not a crowd. Yeah. Um, Maybe and, that's and what it, he was like as a individual, you know, like that he wasn't part of that crowd. I don't know. I don't know either. But I mean, the 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 fact there's you don't you they're almost dehumanized mm. not only by the landscape that he's painted yeah. around the towering building yeah. that goes shooting up yeah. above them, but also by the way he's painting them because mm. he doesn't give them faces. No. They're no. literally just like stick people yeah. in an industrial landscape. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a great painting. It is. It is. Mm. It is. It's interesting to compare him. Well, this guy is just somebody we have mentioned before, mm. Theodore Major. I'd never heard of him till you came up with him. Um, I hadn't heard of him till fairly recently either, actually, and I wish I had because well, I'd love to Wigan, see. Isn't he's it? from Wigan, yeah. And, um, I heard about him when we were preparing the episode about Orwell. That's and, right. And I was fascinated by him. Well, as soon as I saw these pictures, I just thought I'd love to see these pictures in I the mean, flesh. I mean, this is almost Turner esque. Yeah, it's dark. There's this greeny brown darkness with a sort of ethereal well they're not ethereal they're, they're sort of almost satanic mills yeah and a chimney and then this ball of orange light of the sunset yeah being reflected in the sort of is it it might be a river it's it's it, i mean it could be the bowels of hell but there's also something something so apocalyptic about there it. is but there's all but uh, you know who he reminds me of these theodore major's paintings especially when they feature suns dawns mm. and so on is william blake yeah oh uh, god basically yeah. william blake's glad day yes um the one with yes. the um the, the body with the sun exploding yeah, yeah, behind yeah, yeah, it yeah. and there's some there's you know when you compare him with turner i i do like turner nobody could mm. not like turner no, no. but i find turner's sometimes so pretty yeah, yeah. that you look at any painting he's ever done you think oh this is turner it's turner mm. it's turner-esque Whereas Theodore Major, there's a emotional, searing emotional power and commitment to all his paintings. I mean, and the documentary what about that we that, watched. You know? I mean, this is an incredible picture. So this is a an industrial landscape. It's one of his Wigan crucifixion. Yeah, paintings. with a I mean, crucifix right in the middle. But who would even do that? You know, I don't know. Who would? Uh, I mean, he 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 had his parents were mill workers. Yeah, Theodore Major, yeah, yeah. and his dad was a preacher. Wow. And um, he's later he said late in later life that he said painting was like preaching for him <laughs> you know that's the spirituality of it um, he said he talks a lot about spirituality which i found fascinating because he was such a he's such a working class sort of man the way he presents himself it's he's he's extraordinary so committed though to i mean he's the most absolute commitment to painting so much so that he wouldn't that's... actually sell his paintings to rich no, no. <laughs> owners he said he said i'm not going to do that so when he died his house was full of about three thousand paintings it's and certainly when I say house, like the house of a, a hoarder i know just a humble house you know in wigan and um, a humble terrace house where he used to live with his wife and he was looked after for the last few years of his life partly by his daughter and also by a woman who who kind of worked with him and helped right. him organize his paintings but you know he was really a fiercely independent artist oh, yeah. he said the only yeah. time he was really free was when he was and he painting. wouldn't let anybody watch him painting he wouldn't let anybody it was, watch him painting on his own and these are i mean that is a very powerful painting but you know using this imagery of the crucifixion mm. to talk about to paint about an yeah. industrial town because the crosses 
are they? Right. They burn into. They they blur into kind of the towers that you would expect to find in a. And they're factory. echoed in the telegraph poles. Yeah, yeah. And the the people underneath. No, it's this very powerful painting. That. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And then you have this. This is a similar imagery once again. You've got these yeah. kind of towers and posts sticking up like pencils and so yeah. on, and like, or they could be crosses. They could be pencils with this Incredible. awesome sun, um, pasto sun. Yeah. Uh, like a Van Gogh type sun. Um, and and a sort of sickly almost yellow light that that yeah it, it creates such a powerful scene every time out of Wigan Wigan is not All the place that Wigan. you associate yeah. with these kind of images let's hear what um we let's hear what um, Theodore Major has to say about where these this art comes from because oh, he's very he's very quotable very yeah, eloquent is, isn't he? let's painter. do it yeah yeah, I've painted a lot of works and factories because they're round about. But when I paint them, when I paint a little man going down the road, that little man isn't me. It's everyone. But it's the relationship of that little man with that works. With those chimneys. And my word, how beautiful they are. In Wigan, where I lived, about a mile away, there was a great works. It was the most beautiful place I've ever seen. A great ironworks. And at night, when they opened the furnaces, the great blast furnaces, the light lit up the sky for 60, 70 or 80 miles. They brought the Zeppelins over in the First World War. But when I looked at my playmates in the street, on the wet pavement, and this glow, it was just as though these children were walking on fire. Walking on fire. Wow, yeah. That's a lovely image, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and if you look at his work, that's a lot of it is very fiery very uh, vivid explorations of Wigan yeah. and the industrial landscape. Yeah. And, and what he, again, what I love about good artists is that they help you to see something that you didn't notice they before. They do, that's right. That's... And you can never see a landscape that they've painted again without seeing what they saw. Yeah. It's, it's... He said, Theodore Major says that actually in another part of that interview, he says that he wants some pointed to some miserable grey sky <laughs> and said how beautiful that is to a passerby and the passerby goes, I don't see anything beautiful in that. And that is and that exactly what you say, that is what painters are supposed to do, that's and what you want them to do. In that interview he's sitting there in his little, little trilby hat covered in white paint and his jacket all covered in paint and he's got that very working class Wigan accent Yeah, and, and yet all he talks about is beauty, yeah, and his ability to see beauty, and I, I think he's incredible. I agree, I agree, and so I mean, this is just like a brief cross section hmm. of some of the I mean, different ways of seeing the North that yeah. there are, and there will be many others that we haven't included. Yeah, and people will be going, "What about?" They will. So and so. We'll just have to live with that and yeah. suffer it somehow. <laughs> so we know we barely scratched the surface, yeah. but we hope we've come up with a bit of an introduction here. But, I hope but so. you know, looking at pictures on the internet. It's one thing, isn't yeah. it? 
to yeah. really get a feel for how some of these painters have seen You've the north, you want to see the brushstrokes and see how the thickness of the paint That's right. and see the colours as they painted them. Yeah. So we went out and did that. Um, we went out to Ashington to Ashington. see the permanent exhibition of the Pittman painters, painters. at the Woodhorn Colliery Museum. That's right. And Ashington, it's got special resonance for you, hasn't it, Adrian? Well, it has, yeah. So we drove up and we came under the Angel of the North again. And Ashington was where my dad came from. Um, he was born in 1910, grew up in Ashington, um, didn't want to go down the mines, mm -hmm. so went and joined the Navy. But the Pittman painters were contemporaries of his, uh, as were Bobby and Jackie Charlton. Um, so it was a bit of a pilgrimage for me. I bet, I bet. I mean, I, I know about the Pittman painters through the play, through Lee <laughs> yeah. Hall's play, Lee which Hall. we've included, it, we already included a, um, an extract from at the beginning of this episode. But I mean, um, I was fascinated by it. The play is a beautiful play. It's very it's, funny. It's wonderful. And um, it's just, it's a great piece of work, which if you ever get the chance to see it or yeah, even yeah. read it, I recommend that people even read do it. it. But hearing the Geordie accent in it is brilliant. But for those that don't know, the actual Pittman painters were a group of miners who attended an adult education project run by a guy called Robert Lyon, Master of Painting at Armstrong College, then part of Durham University, yeah. in 1934. He went to Ashington to run an extra mural class in art appreciation. <laughs> and this is an unusual choice in a way, because, I mean, the, um, the 1937 Shell Guide to Northumberland and Durham, yeah. this is what they said about Ashington. Right. Ashington, population 40,000, wow. mining town, mostly built in the early part of this century, Dreary rows a mile long, <laughs> ash pits and mines mm. down the middle of still unmade streets. Yeah. So this is where Lyon went. Um, it, it you might grew think from, from promising material. No, it grew from a population of 8,000 at the beginning of the century right. to 40,000. And That's they were mainly huge. miners. Yeah. For a mining yeah. town. Huge. It, was it the largest mining town yeah, in the UK? They call it the biggest pit village in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, we went there. And we went to the Woodhorn Colliery Museum. We were really lucky, really lucky, really because lucky. we spoke to um, one of the workers there, Vicky, Vicky Jones, yeah. and she told us a lot of stuff about it. She, uh, she was gold. She Let's was have wonderful. a listen. Yeah. So the Pittman painters originally um, were doing Darwin and the theory of Darwin. Really? Um, and that finished, and they decided that they wanted to have a look at art. Something completely different. What a great leap from Darwin, yeah. from, from Darwin, Darwin to, to art, art appreciation. That is art amazing. Appreciation. <laughs> um, they settled on art appreciation and they got Robert Lyons in from what is now Newcastle University, uh -huh. um, Armstrong College. Um, and he decided that the best way to do it would be to teach, not teach them in a classical way. Yeah. Mm. It's not that they were stupid or anything, they just didn't understand art. So the best way to teach them was for them to actually sit down, do the paintings, then criticise the paintings, saying what was right, what was wrong. And by that way, they would learn how to paint uh, properly yeah. and learn about colour, learn about shade, depth, right. perception and stuff like that. It's very clever, actually, because I mean, I remember reading that Robert Lyons said that these men that he was dealing with had very clear ideas of what they wanted. Yes. It wasn't him coming to tell them. They were telling him what they wanted. Yes. Yeah, he seemed to have sort of worked it so that 
he kind of because they didn't want to be a sketching club at first no, did they? they wanted no. to be an art appreciation understand yes. how it was done yes. yeah he got them painting and sketching and appreciating yes he done. didn't just do painting and sketching though mm -hmm. he also did sculpture linograph that, yeah. that kind of yeah. thing mm -hmm. as well L uh, yeah lino cuts yes that was yes. one of the first ones. Yes, yeah. yes. So originally they started off with that because it was easier for them yeah, to yeah. understand. And, and it was, yes, and it was two dimensional yes. as well, yeah. rather than having right. to introduce perspective and things like of that. Course. I love this Harry Wilson picture because it really captures the kind of intimacy. You just imagine what were they saying, all these people, yeah. what were they talking about in that <clears> environment? And in the play, the Pittman painters, you hear what they're saying and they are so funny. What kind of things are they saying in the play? It's just Mickey, the typical miners yes. taking the Mickey of each other, of each yeah. other, Dis of Robert discussing how things are going to happen. Exactly. This is not actually the first um, Pittman Painters group meeting. This right. is actually a commit committee meeting. Committee. Oh, right. So, okay. Right. Um, yes. So this is in the old YMCA building where they had one globe, one fireplace, and that's all they had. And right. um, so this was a um, this was pre-war hut. Mm -hmm that they were using. Um, eventually, I think it burnt down and they replaced it with another building um, around the back of Woodhorn Road. It's so this wasn't, the kind of, this wasn't where they would have held a meeting then in a room like this then? This wasn't where the first is, classes would have been? This is where the first classes would yeah, have been, right, yes. Right, okay. um, it's, it's a really nice painting. Yes. It is. The use of colour and perspective and the sense of collaboration. Especially from, this is obviously one of the early ones as yeah, well, one yeah. of the original ones. Um, you do get a sense of colour, which is quite, you, you yeah. don't really associate with miners. No. And quite a lot of the paints, as you can see around you, yeah, let's, don't let's, have that colour. No. Um, because that was their main environment, that was their working life. And mm -hmm. a lot of the pictures and paintings are in that as well, their working lives. Yeah. Because they painted what they knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just incredible. The way the, the man dominates the whole picture, and yet he looks oppressed. Yes. It, the way his, his body is turned, the strength that comes out of mm -hmm. that picture. Yes. Strong men. Yes. Dirty backs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember meeting miners with like tattooed lines up their spines where they grind against the ceiling and yeah. it actually just gone under their skin and tattooed yeah. them. Yeah, it did. Um, well, look, there was a bit of a scene in miners as well. They never washed the backs because if you washed the backs and you washed the coal off, it meant they were weak. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so they would be open to infections and that. But if they had oh, a dirty back, they kept strong. Wow. I, th well, I guess, look, when I look at these paintings, I kind of think, how did the people have the mental energy? after the kind of work they were doing. Yeah. I mean, you think of the work people do nowadays, they're shattered after an eight-hour shift and they just want to plonk on the sofa in front of the TV and so on. Back then, they didn't have that. And yet, people found the energy to become to interested in something like this in the first place and then to produce outstanding paintings like these. I think the, the way you have to look at it is this was their escapism. Yeah. This gave yeah. them that life away from the pit. And Harry Wilson up there sees it absolutely perfectly. He says, here I found an outlet for other things than earning a living. There is a feeling of being my own boss for a change, and with it comes a sense of freedom. Well, and that great, kind of great. really hits it on the nail of how they thought about the class. For once they could be creative, yeah. they weren't being told what to do, yeah. so therefore 
they got they could paint anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. And they were they became quite a phenomenon, didn't they? Yes, yes. A so national phenomenon. National, international as well. Yeah. They 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 did go to China with the paintings. Really. And other places, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did that have an impact on on the town or Ashington? The fact that they became famous. Probably f- more localised than I would say nationally, but yes. Right. Yeah. We get people from all over the world come to have a look at them. I can imagine. I mean, looking at the museum, I was, one of the things that struck me was seeing the banners. Was seeing, you can see where that sort of visual culture of mining yes. communities yes. come from. It's already there before Very this. Mm. It's already mm-hmm. there in the banners that were yeah. in the century before. Oh, yes, definitely. I think because, obviously, this is more cultural, whereas the one, the WEA, for instance, kind of pushed people more towards words. So it was the likes of the art, his, uh, art history classes, maybe, or history, or mm-hmm. English, or that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, whereas this was something completely different. Mm-hmm. And it opened that cultural door for a lot of yeah. miners. One of the things I find really interesting about what Vicky said about mm. this opening the cultural doors was, you know, um, the fact that these miners took up art appreciation after... Um, attending a course about Charles Darwin's theory yeah, of evolution. Yeah. So it's kind of the intellectual curiosity there, yeah. the wanting to know, um, to find out about yeah. what they didn't know about. Men have and spent also their lives underground. The fact that this was available. Yeah. You know, it was a, this was this was kind of like the heyday of the WEA, yeah. the Workers' Education what a great Association. What an amazing organisation. What an amazing part of British culture that was and still is, but unsung. much diminished. Unsung. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, you know... So somebody somewhere thought, oh, miners want to know about evolution? Fine, yeah. we'll send someone there. Yeah. Oh, they want to do art appreciation? We've got somebody. So there's a great bit in the Pittman Painters where, where their Lee Hall has had them talking about what they're learning. Uh-huh. So let's hear that. Let's have a listen. Well, I had a go, but I don't think it's any good. Did you do that? Aye. It was me fourth attempt, like... It's quite difficult thinking about everything inside out. Yeah, what do you mean, inside out? Well, you have to do everything the other way around so that you're carving out the light. Is that his head? Aye. It's a bit small, isn't it? Shut up! You, you haven't even done one. Oh, no, I think the smallness is intentional. I think it emphasises the muscularity, the sheer physical nature of the work. Actually, I couldn't do it any bigger because I'd already carved the roof out. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's great. It makes me want to go and see the play again. <laughs> it does me. Because you get that lovely Geordie accent as well. But but he captures Lee Hall really well the way th- what what Vicky talked about, that it opened their cultural horizons. Yeah. And opened them up to a, a way of looking at their own world. But the, these, uh, the, I totally agree. But what, what one of the things that, I was struck by was the way these miners did not um, simply. There are lots of sketching classes in the yeah. going on all the time. Yeah. Drawing classes, there still are, but they basically were like sponges. These miners, Incredible. they were shown all these different um, styles, these different artists. They were taken down to London on trips. Yeah. Um, they were very influenced by early Chinese art. Yeah. And the thing is, they absorbed all these images and styles, and they came out. It, and we saw great them. emotional power because it's all force. in one room. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, this painting's done on hardboard with gloss paint because yeah. they didn't have any money. Yeah. And and you're surrounded, and you can see all the different influences that they were absorbing, and all the ways in which their horizon was 
But I, I don't want to say broaden because they painted what was right in front of them. But they but brought all these different styles exactly. into what they painted, didn't they? Exactly. I mean, and you see these powerful paintings of um, some of the most impressive ones, the ones of miners. Yeah. These giant figures, um, kind of trapped in a small space, which yeah. of course they knew about. Yeah. That's what that was their lives. Exactly. Um, and the. The, and that's um, what he's on about when he's because he, it's he, he says that the arm looks like a horse's leg. Yeah. And 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 he's saying, well, it, it wouldn't look like that because you wouldn't be able to get into that scene. Yes, that's true. It's true. And, and what was amazing about Vicky, who showed us round, was to me she was a modern example of the same thing happening. Yeah. She told us that she was she's doing a history degree, that she was broadening her own horizons, and that she wanted to write about this place. Yeah. She was so knowledgeable and so. I mean, she was from Ashington. Her granddad had been a miner, and and I think. And, and she showed us one particular picture. Very powerful painting, and she told us the story behind it. Incredible. Let's hear it. So this is a Fred Laidler, and he used to take quite a lot of time with his paintings um, when he used to paint. Mm -hmm. um, about four weeks or so before he painted this, Fred lost his father, and the coroner wanted to say that it was, he was a worn-out pitman. Obviously couldn't, listed the yeah, ailments yeah. and mm -hmm. things that he had died from. But it obviously stuck with Fred. Um, when Fred came in for his shift, saw the pony being taken to Bank, which is the surface. Um, and obviously, that connection with his father, right, he was right. basically a worn-out pit pony. So he sat down and he pretty much did it in one or two sittings. That's so moving. That's yeah. so moving. But it also goes to show how personal a lot of these yes. paintings were mm -hmm. to the miners as well. And that's well. what art's about. It's yeah. about telling a story. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so great to see those paintings and have someone talk about them yeah. who knows that world so well, so intimately. Yeah, it was it was lovely. And that painting, particularly of the dead pit pony, moved both of us massively. It did. Um, and and to be surrounded by those paintings was, was a great experience. It was. Worth what, the long drive. One of the things I liked about it was the fact that it was in a former colliery, yeah. in a museum, filled with yeah. um, stuff about the culture and worlds that, that, that it, those paintings came that's from. That's right. The downstairs was a whole museum about mining yeah. in that area. And it was really well put together. It was. With, with, with sort of interactive stuff. You walked through what was like a little colliery and... Yeah, you were immersed in the whole world for that for those couple of hours. We had such a good day. It makes that art seem almost more, more miraculous yeah, when you hit when you it aware does. of the kind of the harshness of the world all around it. It, it yeah, the, the, those men and and I love on the Robson Green uh, video that we watched because um, he was from that area and he, he went up and and they had footage of the of 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 those men yeah and the way they were all in the you know they go to paint in their tie yeah and and uh they dress up because it was a way of getting away from the grime and the muck of the pit and also as as um the art critic william fever once said the art it was a way of getting out of the pit but they also took those experiences into the into pit. the pit because yeah, you know you their could, minds yeah. would be thinking he's he, you know they down down in the, in pit, the dark working, working in the dark those colours yes. will illuminate yes. their lives. Like Don McCullin's dark room. It's it's that when you're in the dark, you need things, your mind becomes alive. It just it? makes you think of the huge wealth of talent, talent. 
that so much, you know, for every Pittman painter group, there must have been so many other people that had talents that weren't and, reached and there was because a there was no one to reach them. A wonderful painter called Norman Cornish from Spennymoor in uh -huh. County Durham, and he went to a similar art group, mm. and but he was a professional artist and he lived there all his life, and his paintings. Um, we'll put some up in the, in that little uh, montage of the pit road, and he said when he went down the pit at fourteen, which a lot of those men did, mm. that the lights of the lamps and the colliery were like glowworms, yeah. and then they went down in this cage and yeah. into the bowels of the earth, um, and 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 they create these visions, these beautiful. Observation. Astonishing and inspirational, really, to think that of, what, look at the work they did and to think of how they did it. What was it like for you, though, going back to Ashington? Um, for I mean, you hadn't been there since for a long you were time, a kid, more long, or less. Well, right? I, I've been at once before, but uh, we used to go up there for holidays. We'd, we'd stay with my auntie, uh, my dad's sister in Bedlington, the next door village to Ashington. And it, I found it really moving going back. Right. And sad because Ashington has declined so badly. You could see that. Um, and and we drove around the the town and these long, long roads of Exactly houses. like the 1930s Shell Guide described it. Yeah, and the houses were identical. Yeah. Everyone's house is the same. And there wasn't much to break up the monotony. Um as there Almost would have been nothing. Then. Almost nothing. But uh, and this park, Hearst Park, in the middle with the statue of Jackie Charlton, who who came from Ashington. I found it personally really moving. I was really glad to go with you, um, because I think it was like a pilgrimage. Yeah. It was uh, it was a little raid on the, the that world that's that's gone. You know. Right. And, and just as that kind of um, reach that the WEA once oh, had has amazing. gone, how good it would be to see it come back, really, oh, to see it brought back, because it is something that can be brought back. Uh, absolutely. If the, if the political will was there to do it. You know, not only, in cause not only in places like Ashington, but all across the country. I've been very lucky. There's a woman called Laura Page in Sheffield, and she does photography weekends right. capturing Sheffield. And she takes amateurs out with their cameras, shows them how to use the camera, and then gives this little things to do to capture bits of Sheffield yeah and it, it reminds me of that you know just ordinary people and some of the photographs they take are, are amazing yeah um, I'm so, sure you know I mean one of the fascinations about the Pittman painters is you know we would not want to present it to people listening to this podcast as merely a no. heroic historical no. episode we would like to see that as something pointing towards the future oh absolutely because one of the things we've tried to do throughout this series yeah. you know this is to the end of we are this is the last episode yeah. of this series but it won't be the last series no. so you no. know please send us in your suggestions we've already yeah. got some ideas on no. the boil we'll be we'll be ready yeah. next year we're percolating we're percolating yeah so please give us any more that you suggest um you know one of the recurring things we've tried to do really when i think back on this series yeah is to show that the North is not a grim place. No. We've made that clear. It has been grim but at times a, and still can be. It's a multi-layered place. Multi-layered. Made up of many different cultures. Yeah. Where if you look, you can find all kinds of things yeah. you don't expect. Yeah. Wondrous things, magical yeah, things. Absolutely. Beguiling things. Yeah. Horrific things sometimes too. We yeah. don't ignore that kind of human cost of industrialization but there's so much around that and so much has been produced through that experience i think if i came up with an alternative title it'd be rich up north rich up north absolutely so i think on that note we're going to leave you with the words yes. of none other than theodore major we can't oh, think of a better bloke. way to end this series 
then this reflection... We, start, we sort of started in Wigan, where well, we had Brian Groom and history, yeah. but then we had Orwell and yeah. the road to Wigan Pier, and we're ending in Wigan. Absolutely, we're ending in Wigan, but it's not <laughs> the Wigan that Orwell saw. No. This is, the, this is the Wigan that Theodore Major remembers from when he was a child, and the way he thinks about how his childhood shaped his art. Absolutely. I remember in the seeing things and collecting things in my mind and always looking at things. I remember looking at the first impressions, and I must have been sat on my mother's knee, of the fire and the beautiful shapes of the flames and the colours and the light reflected in the brasswork were in the fire. And I saw on the cheap wallpaper the sun making a splash of orange light. I remember those things. Other things I don't remember. But I, I collect anything that's useful to a painter. And I have these impressions of seeing these things. listening to Grim Up North, a podcast about the North from the North.